Good morning, everyone, and happy Sunday. Thank you for clicking on Progeny with Purpose. This is your host, talking on the mic, Amy Register. If you are new here, welcome. If you are returning, glad to see you. Not really see with my own eyes, but I'm glad you came back. Uh, Today is a Sunday, which is super cool because that means probably a lot of you were fed a word this morning at church, and if you didn't make it to church, that's okay. That doesn't define your relationship with the Lord, but I do hope you have your spiritual cup filled today in some sort of way. If that's this podcast, great. If it's something different, great. Just... I would just encourage you to pursue being filled because it's so important to your soul. Um, Before I get locked into speaking on what the Lord has provided me to say today, I do just want to make a disclaimer, which disclaimer makes it have a negative connotation, but I promise you it's not negative. It's more just making you aware on each of my podcasts, it should provide you either like a little Q&A spot or like a multiple choice, feel free to answer those at the end of the podcast for funsies. I would love to see y'all's answers, and I think maybe some of y'all just didn't know it was there, but it is there on almost every single one of the podcast, and it would be great to see what your responses are. Anyways, thank you for joining in today, like I said earlier, and without me wandering on in words, wasting your precious time, let me jump into the little message the Lord has thrown into my face today. All right, here's our fun little intro music. I'll be back in a second. See, I promised you I'd be back on the mic. I hope you enjoyed that little music. I know I always do. It's just so fun. But today's message has to do with the Lord literally throwing something in my face this morning, and it is very entertaining. And so I will jump into my little life story, and then we'll walk through the different points that God has just placed in my mind and allowed me to think on since. So it has to do with comparison and how comparison can genuinely destroy things whenever we are not comparing ourselves to what the Lord's will for us is, but whenever we are comparing ourselves to others who have a different purpose in their life. But just a funny little story about my day-to-day this morning is I was picking out a dress for church, and I ended up not that you need to know the details, but I ended up wearing like an altered state, long sleeve, flowy, kind of fall looking dress. I genuinely was just throwing something on. But whenever I pulled out the dress, I was like, well, I need a shoe for this because, I mean, I guess I could show up to church barefoot, but I feel like that would be still a little frowned upon. And I personally would like to have shoes on my feet. And so I go and I look at my shoe collection and I have shelving in my closet and on my shelving I have placed a little rack, a shoe rack. So I have one, two, three, four. I guess it's four different sections where I can place shoes horizontally. Nope, that's not horizontal, vertically. And so I was picking from my shoes there because that's where I have a lot of my like nicer church shoes, I guess instead of my tennis shoes that usually end up on the ground. 
Well, I'm going through, I'm looking at all my options, and it was between this like beige booty and then this not combat boot style, but it was definitely more of like a structured brown leather boot. I go for the brown boot. And whenever I go to pull it off of the shelf, the shelf itself decided it didn't want to be structurally sound. And so within a flashing of my eye, as I am pulling the shoe that I want down off of the shelf, um, it was like a snowball effect. And you know how rocks just start to like slowly decay on mountains and then the rocks on the mountains start to pick up on one another and then all of a sudden there's an avalanche of sorts. Well, just imagine that, but in a closet and with shoes. The rack itself decided to lean forward, which means all of the shoes also started to lean forward, and I got smashed in the face with one of my oop, cowboy boots and all the other type styles of shoes literally just like crumpled all around me. And I was like, this is funny. This is really funny. I'm glad that this is in my life. And I know that that sounds sarcastic, but I actually am glad that it was a part of my life because I got to take a step back after um, stepping over the shoes that were now on the floor. And I just laughed. I was like, this is hilarious. But I was thinking on it a little later this afternoon and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just a depiction of whenever we, as faulted humans, reach for things that were never intended for us, can sometimes, when we reach for the wrong things, cause other things to stumble into our life that have the potential to really harm us. I had, throwing back to like real life example, right? I put my contacts in this morning before I went and picked out my outfit. Had I not put my contacts in, my glasses would have gotten the brunt end of that shoe to the face. That boot, shall I say, because it was a real cow cowboy boot. It slammed into my face and it would have probably either cracked or broken my glasses. And so praise the Lord for protecting my eyewear. <laughs> But I never put on my contacts. I have put in contacts twice since moving to Tennessee. And I've been here almost two months. So, yeah. I don't know what the Lord had been planning, but he did protect me from things being worse. And so, I'm saying that to say that even whenever we're reaching for the wrong things, the Lord loves us enough to, in some cases, I believe, protect us from the full extent of the evil that we're reaching into or the evil that is trying to smack us in the face. And so from that funny little real life story, which I hope gave you a very vivid visual, I want to continue on into just the principle of we don't need to be reaching for the wrong things because we are comparing different life situations or we're comparing different personality traits or really comparing anything at all to things that we shouldn't be comparing them to because at the end of the day I ended up just wearing a sneaker that was not hung up in a shelving unit at all it was just on the floor next to my bed 
so I never needed to be in my closet reaching for boots in the first place. And so let's just jump into the word of the Lord, where we see very clearly through his word, through his living truth, that we don't need to selfishly desire something that was never ours in the first place, or we don't need to reach for things that was never intended for us in the first place. So we're jumping into James chapter 3. These are verses 13 through 16. And I read in the NIV. I've been in the NIV my whole life, so that's just what I'm used to. So congratulations, you get to hear NIV today as well. So James 3, 13 through 16, and it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I'm going to just narrow that down to verses 14 and 16 because that really focuses in on the point that I'm trying to get across. So verse 14 and then 16, here we go. And it says this, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So we hear this, and the Old Testament speaks to the truths of the New Testament. And since we've gotten a little bit of James from the New Testament, I want to throw it back to the Book of Wisdom in the Old Testament, which is the Book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So here we see that envy and selfish ambition lead to rotting of the bones but it also leads to disorder and evil practices. Rotting comes from Proverbs, disorder and evil practices come from James. A lot of us think of envy, and I know that I've always been taught that like envy is equated to the color green, like green with envy. And it's basically like this deep-rooted, jealousy to have what something ha- what someone else has or to have something you don't personally have yet or to wish that you were in a place that someone else is in. So it's just like this very deep-rooted comparison that ends up in a consuming jealousy. That's how I've always understood it to be. But I wanted to give you a very strict educated definition of envy. So we all know what we're talking about here. So whenever I looked up envy on the Googles, it showed that a synonym of the word is jealousy. I'm just going to assume that we all know what jealousy is. I mean, it really just boils down to wanting what someone else has. But the direct definition of envy is a feeling of discontentment or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. So really fun stuff. 
really excellent, really nice things, right? If you were to have a friend, let's just put it this way, if you were to have a friend, is this a quality that you would want them to have? I'm hoping your answer is no. If it's yes, I'm praying for you. Not in like a judgmental way, like that's not my place, but just, hey, I want better friendships for you than that. Like being your advocate, I want you to have friends that are not envious or jealous of you, but instead are in genuine support of you and your growth towards the Lord. So we can see that any sort of comparison, wow, that's not a real word, comparison. (laughs) I just smashed the words comparison and envy together. That's really beautiful. Anyways, comparison is really a true evil. Because when we compare what we don't have to what someone else has, and we become jealous for the things that they have acquired or the things that they have a characteristic of that we wish we had, and it becomes just this thing that rots our core, we're doing something wrong. Our sin nature is leading us to disorder and evil practice. I am not a saint when it comes to avoiding any sort of envy. I think that as humans, and especially humans in an American culture, we're always told that we need to be striving to be better, striving for that next step, always pursuing success. Here are the Hollywood people that have made it and made it big, and let's let everyone try to be like them. Or here is this Elon Musk type person who has done well in business, is a freaking million billionaire, has everything that they could ever want, you know, that's the pinnacle of success. Like, there's just such a culture that presses all of these dreams and goals into us that were never meant for us. So, we need to, as Christians and being called to be set apart from the typical norm of the world and the typical norm of these selfish ambitions, with our calling to be different, we also need to step out of comparison. We need to step out of jealousy. We need to step out of envy. And we need to pursue the Lord's will for our lives. Like I said earlier, like I am not a saint when it comes to this. Growing up as the youngest child, there has always been people ahead of me, basically as role models that were there to portray to portray to me what the next step really looks like. My brother was super athletic and he did soccer, went to college for soccer. He sadly can't do it anymore because of the way that it broke his body down, but we had my brother who was the athletic one, got a lot of attention for that. And so because he was athletic and in soccer and doing all of the sporty type things, I think that encouraged me to take sports to a whole other level, both in middle school and then less in high school. So in middle school, I mean, I was rocking it in basketball, doing volleyball, doing softball. I was doing all of the things that I could do because I thought that that equated to success and I thought that it it equated to attention. And 
I really did love volleyball, thought it was great. I had done basketball before middle school, had a love for it. Um, softball, I just did because I didn't want to be in BFS at my school, which was bigger, faster, stronger. It was basically the non-PE class. So if you're in athletics, meaning you take a sport, then you're put into BFS in order to help yourself maintain a good physique for the sport that you're going to go into later on. And so always just strive to be sporty, I guess, because I thought that that's what success looked like. I did enjoy sports, not gonna lie, but I think that I took it to a degree I didn't have to because I was jealous of the attention that my brother got and I was following following a bad example. And so there was a little bit of comparison, a little bit of envy in my life. And then also, a lot of you that listen to my podcast know that I lost my mom at 13 in a pretty terrible car accident. Obviously, it was terrible because someone passed away from it, but actually, nope, not gonna go there. (laughs) Trauma! Anyways, um, I lost my mom at 13, and so that instilled a position in my life to become envious of anybody who had the opportunity to have a mother figure in their own life. I remember after my mom had passed away, it had only been about a month, there was a girl in the athletics class that we were in just complaining and complaining and complaining about their mom and just the way that she was being parented and how their mom wasn't treating them fairly and saying this and that. And I mean, we're middle schoolers at this point, so obviously we're complaining about silly things, but it was just like, I just lost my mom and I knew that I would never get her back and I was so jealous of all the people who still had moms in their lives. I was like envious of the position that everyone else was in because they had their moms. And so whenever I heard this girl complaining about her mother, I literally break out into this rage is too far right of a term to use, but it was like a rage of sorts. I was definitely angered. I broke out into a very passionate statement of, hey, at least you have a mom. I don't want you, I don't want to hear you complaining about it anymore because some people don't have the privilege of having a mom in their lives, which I think that it's true. You know, not everybody has the privilege and so being respectful to your mother is important, but my approach was terrible. My approach was using my poor position to make someone feel emotionally manipulated into talking better about their own mom, right? And so you can see how that would just kind of be evil in a sense. And like my envy of that whole surrounding situation of I didn't have a mom but other people did and I wish I had what other people had it led to very evil practice of emotionally manipulating someone in order to get my way to not hear someone else complaining about the things that they had and it wasn't it wasn't fair it wasn't right And I know that, and obviously I'm talking about it now because I've definitely asked for forgiveness, repented, and moved on and become better because of it, because the Lord is so good to me. But it's just like, genuinely, envy will rot you to the core. 
I mean, that same comparison of other people having moms got me really hard my first year of college because I hated hearing other people talk about their joy about getting to go home to their moms for the holidays. And like, it rocked me to the core because I want, I want my mom to be here so badly. I mean, that's still a desire of mine, but I've stepped away from being comparative in other people's lives because of it. But it's just like, for so long, I compared my poor situation to other people's blessed situations. And it ruined me. And it, I, I mean, really, like, after my big come-to-Jesus moment, things have changed. And amen for that. And he, if he can do it in me, he can do it in you, too. Just keep following him. Keep seeking him out. But I'd say all this to say, like, comparison is a true, true evil. You know, envying what other people have and acting upon that envy and just being led with jealousy is going to lead you to some pretty terrible places. You know, whenever we are reaching things, like bringing it back to the very beginning of this podcast, whenever we were reaching for things that were never in the plans that the Lord has for us, just these very disorienting things will come crashing down and tumbling down around us. That's just the practice of it all. That's just the way things go down. I'm going to wrap us up with this thought, right? The question that we're tackling here is how many times have we seen things crumble on us because our comparison led us to reaching for the wrong things? How many times have we seen our jealousy for wanting what someone else has come back on us because we get in this really crubby, crubby, that's not a real word, crummy position of being angered with the Lord because what we think we want is not what he has ever wanted for us. In Psalm 139, 14, David praises the Lord because he has this recognition that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. David knows that the Lord made him individually. The Lord wanted David to be David. And just as much as the Lord wanted David to be David, the Lord wanted me, Amy, to be Amy. He wanted you, insert your name here, to be, insert your name here. The Lord did not make you, allow you to enter this world if he didn't specifically want you. The Lord did not compare you to anyone else other than Jesus Christ when he was forming you in your mother's wombs. We as humans were created after Jesus. Jesus has been alive since day one. He's been a part of the Trinity since day one. Our maker made us in the light of himself. And so, you were never from day one compared to any other human, any other faulted human on earth. And so, the Lord doesn't want you to compare yourself to others now. Psalm 139.14 I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. This is what David is saying. David is saying, God, your works are are wonderful. Who is a work of God? We are. Each of us as individuals 
are a wonderful work of God. Hey, you, listener, do you hear this? You are wonderful. You are wonderfully made. The Lord wanted you. In Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13, you get the famous verse of Jeremiah 29, 11, where it's talking about how the Lord has plans for you. I'm telling you that God has a plan for you individually. God has handcrafted you to be you. He has given you an individual purpose, an individual plan. Sometimes that means you're in a group of people working towards the same goal, which is wonderful. We need people. We need community. We are built for a relationship with the Father and a relationship with others. That's why Adam was given Eve, because it was not good for man to be alone. So we need others, but that doesn't change the fact that the Lord wanted you. So, the Lord knows the plans he has for you, and his plans for you are good. You have no need to grab for things out of your jealousy, out of your envy, out of your comparison. You have no need to grab for things that were never meant to be yours. The Lord wants to protect you from any destruction of evil because his plans for you are good. His great love for you wants to come and fight for you. So I am just asking you to be very prayerful and very adamant about gaining clarity on what the Lord has intended for you. It's great to seek wise counsel from your friends and from people you know have the wisdom of the Lord. I encourage you to do so after you've prayed to God for that clarity and waited on him to answer. Like, it's good to seek counsel. But before you seek counsel in others, seek the counselor first. God is our counselor, and he has allowed us to have a one-on-one conversation with him all of the time as the veil tore when Jesus took the cross on our behalf as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Do you understand that the veil has been torn? There is no longer a need to do all of these religious practices to have the Lord turn his ear towards you. God is always listening. If you feel like you're in a season of not knowing what you're supposed to do, that you are just looking around at others living in this perfect world, that you're seeing others striving for success in the terms of the just social pressures that are happening around us just as we naturally live in an American world. And then if you're out of America, very cool. We have international people listening. Never thought that was going to happen. But God is good. Like, if you are looking out at others, if you are desiring what others have, that's not your purpose or your plan. Your purpose and your plan is to look vertically up to the Lord. Ask for a good look of what his plans are for you. And I'm asking you to seek those with 100% of yourself. Don't seek others. Don't seek others' plans that God has for them. Seek the own, your, like your own plan that the Lord has built just for you. He has fearfully and wonderfully made you. He has plans for you. Please don't fall into comparison. And I think that 
the Lord has spoken into this, the truths of why we shouldn't be seeking our selfish ambitions, how we shouldn't be harvesting any envy. I don't want you to be tumbling around, rotting in the core, to be tumbling around and finding disorder and evil everywhere you look. I don't want that for you. And as much as I don't want that for you, the Lord absolutely doesn't want that for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, friend. God knows the plans that he has for you. Please seek him. Please seek him because you will find him. Sometimes we all like often can find ourselves looking back on our life. I mean, I talked about this last week in the podcast that I literally posted last week about how like sometimes we're even comparing ourselves to our old selves. And if it's in the light of wishing that I had the things that I had back then, it's not healthy. Um, so even if like you feel like the Lord's not going to listen to you because your spiritual life is not where it used to be, he is still listening. He is still there. He still wants to meet with you. In the words of my very wise friend, Tiffany Moses, which she, she sent this text to me, honestly, very recent, as I've just been struggling trying to manage the busyness of my life because busyness is just as much as an, an enemy as comparison is. She said, just because quiet time might have looked like 45 minutes alone in your room praying and reading the word in the past, for example, doesn't necessarily mean it has to look like that now. Start with five minutes of discipline. Even if it's five minutes of dragging yourself into a quiet corner or a patch of grass just to sit there staring at one single verse, he still wants to hear from you. He still loves you. He still desires a relationship with you. He is right there, just waiting. But yes, don't be grabbing for things that were never meant for you. Ask the Lord, seek him, you will find him. Be patient on him to reveal his will for you. It's the perfect plan just for you. Love you guys, and I am praying that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. I pray that his face shines upon you. I pray that you are led by still waters and into fruitful green pastures. God is a good God. He loves you. He wants relationship with you, and I think that's awesome. Y'all have a blessed week, and stay out of trouble. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone.